Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Well, all right, Psalm 82. Uh, as we learn from our playlist, we know that we have about five different books that the Psalms are made up of. We got the first one that's 1 through 41, which makes book 1, 42 and 72, which makes book 2. And book 3 is the one that we're going to be in. 73 through 89 will be in 82, obviously. And 90 through 106 is book 4, and 107 through 150 makes book 5. Tonight we're going to look in book 3, like I said, in Psalm 82. The writer of the Psalms are made up of different of eight different people. The most most famous one that you know is going to be David. But there's there's other ones, uh, like Moses, Solomon, Korah, As, uh, Asaph, um, Himan, Ethan, and Hezekiah. Asaph, however, comes tied for second with the most psalms written with, with 12. Some of the other psalms that Asaph wrote are, are 50, 73 through 83. Um, he's, the, he's the author and the songwriter of those psalms. Now, real quick, who is Asaph? Asaph. He's a Levite, a son of Berechiah. That's not the proper pronunciation, but I was looking at how you pronunciate it, and there's no way, Pastor. <laughs> there's no way that you can I can get that covered, but close enough, right? Uh, son of Berechiah and the family of Gershom, which is noted in First uh, Chronicles and, and chapter six and chapter fifteen. He was eminent as mu- as a musician and appointed by David to preside over the sacred uh, choral services that were given to him by David. Asaph was also a, uh, a keeper of the king's forest, probably in Lebanon. Uh, Nehemiah requested Artaxerxes to give him an order, on Asaph, an order to Asaph to, for timber to be used for the rebuilding of the temple, which is noted in Nehemiah 2.8. And later, as, as we'll see into this psalm that we're going to be in tonight, we're going to see why uh, Asaph was later on in life was celebrated as a prophet and a seer. And just for understanding for you to understand what is a prophet and a seer, I'm going to sum it up with one definition for the two. A prophet, um, a prophet is one who is divinely inspired to communicate God's will to his people, which is the prophet. But to disclose the future and the theme of this is, is the seer. So he's, he's looked at as both and he was celebrated as both. And again, in Psalm 82, we're going to see how he was and why he was Celebrated in that in that fashion that way. Uh, Psalm eighty two is about a plea through song for the righteous judgment on the judges who stand before God. And this psalm we read that judges were guilty of both ignorance and partiality. But we know that the word of God is with purpose and with instruction. Every word that's God breathed is with purpose and instruction. This psalm was designed to make kings wise and to instruct the judges of the earth, of this earth, the people appointed, the men appointed. Through this psalm, we're going to look at who is the appointed and can we be the appointed. So let's jump into the word. I'm going to pick it up in Psalm 82 and verse 1. I'll go through and then I'll come back and take a look at each scripture and break it down and get into what it is that that we're going to gain from this today. Picking it up in verse 1, it says, God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the poor and fatherless. 
Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Free them from the hand of the wicked. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. I said you are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High, but you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all nations. All nations. Let's do some work here. And in, in verse 1, the word congregation from the Hebrew word mean adah, meaning a family, a, a crowd, assembly, or multitude. The second point that we're going to look at in Scripture in verse 1 is to judge. In the Hebrew word, safat, to decide controversy or to execute a judgment. Gods. We've got three different definitions of the word gods here, or three different translations of the word God here. And we, we need to gain understanding on which one that's actually intended for this Scripture, for this psalm. We know that we have Elohim. We have Eloah. And we have Eloah. And they're the three different. And this scripture, the translation here that we see gods in this lowercase, obviously because it's not referring to God Almighty, the, the main, the only God, but it's actually using the translation of Eloah, which means a judge. To judge. Or ruler. An umpire, if you will. Someone who has to, you know, say which is good and which is bad, what should and what shouldn't be. And this time, the judges and magistrate are called gods. Eloah, not Elohim. A difference. Because they are, they have their commission from God and act as his, as his deputies. This verse is telling us that God stands over all as the only God and true judge, judging the men appointed to authority here on earth. It's awesome how Asaph starts this psalm off. Asaph starts by acknowledging who is the only true God. That possesses judgment over all who are in authority. For every person that's in authority, we have someone that's over them. And in this, it's, it's God. It's God the Father. It's the Almighty, the person that's in authority, that passes judgment over all. Magistrates. Again, in this time, we know that there were kings and princes and magistrates. Magistrates are the mighty in authority for the public good. This is... This is how, so we can get some understanding of what the purpose for the magistrates were and what, what they were instructed to do and why they were instructed to do it. Magistrates are the ministers of God's providence for keeping up order and peace and particularly in punishing evildoers and protecting those who do well. God, good princes and good judges who mean well are under divine direction, direction of the Almighty. But those who mean ill are under divine restraint. The authority of God is to be submitted to and those governors whom his providence places over us. But when justice is turned from what is right, no good can be expected. The evil actions of public persons are public mischiefs. But these men are the appointed, like the magistrates of Israel, the great Sanhedrin, and the other elders who were in places of power. were also given direction on how to carry out such an authority given to them. So looking in the second Chronicles 19, six verses six through 10 is where we're going to gain some. So we're gaining some direction on why and how they are supposed to take care of this divine responsibility, picking it up in verse six. 
and said to the judges, Take heed to what you are doing, for you do not judge for man, but for the Lord, who is with you in the judgment. Now therefore, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take care and do it. For there is no iniquity with the Lord, our God, no partiality, nor taking of bribes. Moreover, moreover, in Jerusalem, for the judgment of the Lord and for controversies, Jehoshaphat appointed some of the, the Levites and priests and some of the chief fathers of Israel when they returned from Jerusalem. And he commanded them, saying, Thus, you shall act in the fear of the Lord, faithfully and with a loyal heart. Whatever case comes to you from your brethren who dwell in their cities, whether of bloodshed or offenses against law or commandment, against statutes or ordinances, you shall warn them, lest they trespass against the Lord, and wrath come upon you and your brethren. Do this, and you will not be guilty. Now, in verse where it reads, Now therefore let the Lord and the Lord be upon you, take care and do it, and for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, no partiality. Here's a simply saying that we are not, we're not crooked and we're not looking for personal gain, for personal gain in the directions or the, the judgments that we make. We're doing it with a whole heart in the fear of the Lord and doing it for the best interest of the people that God has appointed under us, that God has made um, available to us to be able to give them what it is that the Lord intended for them. But we do it without partiality. We do it without personal gain. We do it because we profit. We don't want to profit nothing. We want to simply give them what God has intended for them to receive. Moreover, in Jerusalem, for the judgment of the Lord in the controversies, Jehoshaphat appointed some of the Levites and the priests, some of the fathers. When they returned to Jerusalem and 199, he commanded them, saying, thus, you shall act in fear of the Lord faithfully and with a loyal heart. Here, Je Jehoshaphat instructed that they must act with a loving heart to God. And to the people. Person that's placed in authority, a person that's over someone else or over a body, over a congregation, especially with the divine. We can only do it with the heart that belongs to Christ, with love, with with grace, with the way that God intended it. And like it says, whatever cases come to you from your brethren, regardless of what it is, if it's murder, if it's a dispute between one or the other, what is the direction that was given that we're supposed to take when these when these magistrates are are over these and and seek and looking at these situations? How are they supposed to do this? How are they supposed to um, act or judge on them? The appointed Peter, are, the appointed people are to correct when the people are doing what is not pleasing to God. Real quick, so we understand who gave the instruction to judges and appointed authorities and why. Direction from King Jehoshaphat was Jehoshaphat of Judah because God saved him. He was surrounded in the previous chapter. You can read it tells you he was surrounded with by a bunch of uh, by a bunch of men about to die. But he was saved. He was saved. And through his saving, through God saving him, it's when he came to a realization that he needed to remove all the carved images from his heart, from his life. He needed to remove him from the land that he was over and prepare his heart to seek God. And so God found favor in him. God found something good in him. On how many levels can we relate to Jehoshaphat? For me personally, many. I know I had a lot of things that I had to leave. I needed to prepare my heart to seek the Lord, but I could only do it with one way, one way, one way only. With the heart prepared to seek the Lord, with the heart prepared to see what what he have for us with the heart ready to to accept them and gain them and leave and let them live inside of me. But it comes with change. It comes with thought. It comes with understanding. It comes with change. Some difficult change. 
some easy change. But it also comes with removing things that hinder the walk, our walk with the Lord. The more that I know, the more that we know about God and the more that we understand, the more that we're going to know how much he loves us, how, how much he has for us, how much he wants for us, how much direction he can actually give us. But it comes with the heart ready to seek the Lord and the removing of carved images, idols, things that, that hinder your walk, things that, that will mislead you, things that will misguide you, things that will prevent you from seeking everything that the Lord has for you. It takes action from us, but the first action is the, pre- the preparation of our heart to receive the Lord. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have not, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. We must know that our God will guide us. We must know that the more we know God, the more we see he has purpose for our lives. When this temporary place, when this world makes us feel like we have to turn to our old ways, when we have to turn to a different way, besides what the, Lord, besides what the word of God has for us, then we know that we're not seeking the Lord. We, we should come to the realization that we're trying to gain understanding for ourselves. We're trying to find direction for ourselves. We're trying to find the things that we want, the things that we need, the things that we seem that, that gives us contentment in our heart. But when we seek the word of God, we know it's because he has purpose. When this temporary place gives us these situations that we deal with on a regular basis, we must understand that there's a foundation that needs to be had. There's a heart that needs to seek God. But again, it starts with the preparing of our hearts to seek our Savior, Jesus Christ. Back in Psalm 2, verse 2, picking it up in verse 2. It reads, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality partiality to the wicked? How long will man judge unjustly unjustly and show favor to the wicked? Simple. Is there is it is it hard to understand? These judges, these magistrates, these people that were in authority, the appointed were judging on behalf of the wicked because of why? For personal gain. For things that they that they wanted, things that they sought, things that they needed. Things that, that, that will probably worked in their favor. But the point of it is that they were judging unjustly and on the, on behalf of the wicked. Well, we clearly had the understanding that we're supposed to judge for the, for the, for the helpless. We're supposed to help the poor. That's the heart that we're supposed to have when these people, these magistrates were supposed to have when making these judgments and handle these situations that were given to them. Number verse three, defend the poor and fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and needy. The men appointed should be helping the people. These people that are in authority, these people that are uh, that are that are over other people, these people that are giving instruction, these people that are teaching, these people that are that are representing Christ, these people that are seeing God, that are representing God, that have been appointed in these position, positions should be helping the people, should be helping the flock should be helping the brethren for their best interest, not their own. Verse 4, deliver the poor and the needy, free them from the hand of the wicked. Again, what was the instruction given to them to help the brethren? The appointed should help the poor and the needy. How, do you, how is it that, that when the poor and the needy are being afflicted, they're being hurt, they're being 
whatever whatever's going on with them, that these magistrates, these judges, these elders, these people are siding with the people that are that are okay, that are good, forgetting about the ones that actually need help, forgetting about the ones that 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 were that were in need of a righteous judgment. In verse 5, that's why in verse 5, Asaph writes that they do not know. Speaking of the magistrates, the elders, the judges, they do not know, know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. How does this happen and how can we prevent this from happening? And some key words that, that, that we want to look at or phrases are do not know. Do not understand darkness, foundations of the earth. David wrote in Psalm 11, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Simply stated, if the foundations of the people that are in authority, if the foundations of the magistrates, if the foundations of the Sanhedrin are destroyed, what can the righteous do? What righteous can they do if their foundation is not of that that's based on on, on God? That that that's not based on on what the commandments that were given to them. The direction that was given to him that we read in, in second uh, Corinthians, I mean Chronicle. <laughs> How is it if their foundation are destroyed? What can the righteous do? Where are these men in authority supposed to get their foundation from? Simply put the word of God. Simply put the word of God. But how can they? Or a better question is, how can we keep our foundation? One that's more applicable to us today, right now, for each and every one of us that are here. For the people in the times that, that are going through the situations and the things that they're enduring right now. A better question is, how can we keep our foundation? Well, for the men in high authority, this is true. That it is hard for men to have credit given to, to them because they're proudful and they'd be proudful of it. But all rulers of the earth shall die, and all their proud for accomplishments will die with them. Everything that, that we are accredited for here, everything that these people that are appointed in a high, in a high level and appointed of authority, everything that they do, regardless if they receive credit or not, it's going to pass. It's going to pass as they pass. And all the proudness that they had and everything that they felt that they accomplished is going to pass. It's going to be gone one day. And where does that leave them? If on this temporary earth, on this place here, that they keep the proudfulness and they take credit for everything they do when it should be given to the glory of God for everything they do because that's the instruction that was given to them and that's the way that they're supposed to be handling the situations. Instead, they're keeping the credit and they're taking credit for everything that's happening, for the decisions that they're making or for the them judging for the wicked. They, it seems like it's good. It's profitable financially. Just say if it was financially. They take credit for it, like Pastor had talked about that other day. The the founder of Apple, um, I can't even think of his name right now. But uh, yeah, Steve Jobs. But when he passed, what was the last thing that he said? That none of those things mattered. None of those things mattered. But he was proud in what he did. And he, he accomplished many, many things. He gained a lot of financial gain in this world, in this life. But at what cost? What did it cost him? Again, those who are wicked and judge wickedly, when they pass, when they leave this place, unfortunately, they don't end up at the right hand of Christ. 
And for us, for us, why do we need a foundation? For this reason, for this reason, we need a foundation. In Luke 6, 46 through 49, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read it. It says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my word saying and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Each and every one of us here have gone through a battle, are in a battle, or like you've heard many times before, just got out of one. How do we handle this battle? With what faith? With what power? With what authority? With what direction? The same way Asaph sang about in this opening, in the opening of this psalm. By knowing who God is and keeping his word in our hearts. We find victory in Jesus and the sovereignty of our father in heaven. We find we don't find it in us. We don't find it in what we think. We don't find it in what we want. We don't find it in in personal uh, understanding. We find it in understanding of the word of God, the foundation that must be built on the rock. The rock that, that is the almighty who is indestructible. The person who builds his foundation in Jesus is the person that will not fall. These are the words of our Savior that conquered death and gives everlasting life. This is not my word. This is not Luke's word. This is quoted from Christ Almighty who conquered death and gives everlasting life. A direction for each and every one of us to keep, to keep in our hearts to know during the storm, during the situations, regardless of what they are. And I'm not just talking about one specific thing. Here, I'm telling you that we should seek the Lord in all things, not in our problems, not just when we have the hard time, not just when we've fallen, not when we don't know if we should make this decision or take this step or walk forward into this path. Not just in those times that it's hard. It's in the times that we're good we give glory. It's in the times that we're happy that we need to seek the Lord. It's in the times that we know that it's in every aspect of our life, in every thought, in every decision that needs to be made, we must seek the Lord in all of them. In all things. Family. We have to keep asking, we have to keep seeking, and we have to keep knocking. This is a praise report and glory to God for his faithfulness. This was one of those times that, that, I, was, that I would give glory to God, but I, I sought him more. It was a small thing, it wasn't even a big thing. We have a, uh, well, the place that we're in now, we were, we were running it. And we got a notice in the mail saying that it was it was purchased by someone else. So we thought automatically, okay, now we're gonna have to 
We're going to have to move on from here. We're going to have to seek what we need. We need to do what we need to do to get um, whatever squared away so that we can either start purchasing a home now or wait a little bit more to to make our credit better, whatever the case is. But we automatically jump to the first thing that we thought came to our head and said, this is the action that we need to take. This is the action that we need to do. And we need to start doing it now, not yesterday, now. So I did. I jumped into the vehicle. I, Me and my wife got into the vehicle. We started went headed to a alliance, talked to some people that were there that we needed to talk to. We went and talked to the uh, the owner. We looked at the uh, rental property. We went and spoke with them and we were like, OK, let's get all our, pe- our everything aligned the way it needs to be aligned. And let's make sure that we're prepared for this. And then as night started to fall, it came, slowed down a little bit. I had time to uh, to read a little bit and I had time to calm down and I had time to think about things and the first thing that I felt in, in my heart and in my spirit was to reach out to the Almighty and to pray. Say, Lord, I don't, I don't know what you have for us, and I don't know the direction that we're supposed to go. But I know that it's with purpose, and I know that I can trust you in whichever way it goes. And so we came, we had a service, we came here, we talked about it, you know, I asked Pastor to pray about it. You know, I'm not sure what we're going to do financially, I'm not quite... Uh, ready for a change like this. And we weren't sure what was going to happen. But I said, I remember walking out of the building and talking to uh, Stephen. And I said, no matter what happens, you know, Lord, the Lord is going to provide and he's going to guide. Because his word says so. Because his word says so. And so we went on. And then two days later, we got a, we had a card that was left on our front door. And, um, I got the card. I was like, who is this? Well, I guess I thought that it was the people of the company that purchased the home. And so the next day I gave him a call. And then uh, when I gave him the call, he was like, uh, this is so and so. I'm the one that's going to be taking over the property and this and that. And he was telling me, I told him who I was. And then I said, so what are the changes that are going to be made or what is it that we need to do? And he just simply says, oh, you don't have to worry about nothing. We're not going to do nothing. We'll give you time to uh, do whatever you got to do. Um, he said, but I will have to raise the rent because the area that you live in is they're all at this level and you're a little you're below that. And I was like, well, I don't think that that's something that we're going to be able to do. You know, just speaking from the heart or whatever. He says, now, hold on, hold on. We'd rather keep good tenants than have to force you to leave and have someone else who we don't know who's going to be, you know, a, a good person here at this in this home. And so we left and nothing changed. I didn't have to do anything. I had to wake up and, and love Christ and trust God and tell my wife that God is sovereign. This is just a small thing. This is a small thing. But the point that I'm making here is that whether it was bad, it was a bad thing. And I started automatically going to what I thought that I needed to do. I automatically, the first thing I wanted to do was take control. The first thing that I wanted to do was handle the situation. The first thing I wanted to do was come up with a solution. Why? Because I'm a husband to my wife and I'm a father to my children. And I have to provide and I have to guide and I have to do the things that I have to do. But I forgot that I have a father. I have a provider. I have a savior. And it wasn't until I went into prayer and that I trusted with all my heart. That the direction was given without even change. I didn't have to do anything. But the point is, is that we do those things. Our foundation is where our foundation needs to be in what? the Word of God, and the Father. Will things always go the way we want it to go? 
<laughs> That's right here. Nope. <laughs> uh, but, and will it be easy? No. Is it hard? Sometimes. Lately, it seems like all the time, right now. But God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. His word tells us so. The one that conquered death, that rose on the third day, that gave instruction, commandments, direction with purpose. The only way that we have peace and breakthrough is going to be through a strong foundation in the word of God. I'm human. I doubt. We all do. It's, it's one of the fleshly things that we have about us. We doubt. You know, we doubt. But a digging into the word and prayer is the only way that that gets that can get us back. That can get that gets me back on track. That gets me back moving forward. The continual progression, the continual moving forward. The only way it comes is when we dig deep into the word of God. The only way it comes is when we continue in prayer. I tell you now that there's going to be hard, hard times, hard situations. There's going to be easy. And then there's going to be none. But whether there's none or it's easy or it's hard, a foundation has to be kept. That foundation has to be on that rock. I don't know what I'm doing to tell you on a regular basis. I'm just as lost as everyone else. But I know that the word of God is true and that he guides and he and he provides and he protects and he gives peace. I don't need to know the answers. I don't need to know everything. I just need to know what the word of God says. In verse six, it reads, I said, you are gods and all of you are children of the most high. Again, just to reiterate, you know, that it's gods as Eloah, judges, not gods. On a side note, I mean, I've, I've heard some things from this, from these scriptures that uh, some people teach and they say that. Um, let's just clarify right now. It just means judges, umpires, rulers, magistrates. It does not mean God. <laughs> There's only one true God. Amen. But you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Because these magistrates of Israel, the great Sanhedrin, the elders lost. They lost their foundation in God. They will fall like wicked princes. So if we're going to take a look here and see who are the appointed. Well, it was simply, it was, it's, it's, it's already been mentioned. The magistrates of Israel, the great Sanhedrin, other elders who were in the place of power. Those are the appointed. Appointed with direction and commandments to follow. And the direction was this. Whatever, whatever case comes to you from your brethren who dwell in their cities, whether of bloodshed or offenses, against law or commandment, against statutes or ordinances, you shall warn them. Least they trespass against the Lord and wrath come upon you and your brethren. Do this and you will not be guilty. But because man is flawed and of the flesh, they lost their way and lost their foundation. Do you know how many times I have fallen? Me. I'm, I should ask my wife because I really don't know. That's how many. I lost count. But my wife knows. She sees me regularly all the time. And she still loves me. That's amazing. God is great. <laughs> Today, 
Who are the appointed? The president, vice president, governors, pastors, church leaders, elders of the church. These are the ones that must have a strong foundation in God. A continual growth and being teachable is a must for all who are appointed. Growing and being taught the word of God and seeking his direction for his people because these are the people that are appointed. How can the appointed stay true to God's direction if God is not the source of their faith and trust? But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. But because the appointed, they do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. But there is always hope. There is always hope in God. Can the people who do not fall into none of the categories I just listed be appointed? The president, vice president, pastors, elders in the church, leaders. Can they be appointed? I tell you, yes, most definitely. How? <coughs> Married men. Paul the Apostle wrote that we are appointed leaders of our homes. How can we lead unless our, our God is our source? Are we not in a position that we have to judge and judge righteously? Are we not in a position that we have to love and love unconditionally? Are we not in a position that we have to give grace and grace abundantly? Because people are flawed. We are flawed. Are we not appointed? I say that we are. Fathers, you were blessed with children and appointed to love and raise up your children. In the ways of the Lord, how can we unless God is our source? Single parents, you are appointed leaders of your children and called to raise them up in the ways of the Lord. How can we if we don't know the ways of the Lord? Single people. You are instructed to love the Lord with the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And when the Holy Spirit uses you to give the gospel, you are the appointed for the ministry. But how can you be if God is not your source? Young people, the Word of God tells you, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word and, con and conduct in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. You are the appointed example. But how can you be if God is not your source? In any church, in any company, in any family, in any relationship, in any situation, the only way that we can do and be what God has called us to be is we must first continually seek Christ and want to change in our heart before we can change, before we can want change in someone else's heart. We never want to judge our kids unjustly. 
We never want to put our wives in discomfort for personal gain. We don't want to have to answer to our Savior for why we weren't the example intended. We don't want an opportunity to be used by the Lord to give the gospel to a lost soul and not take it. We should want to be that appointed person for the glory of God. We say we, well, we say, well, we don't have to judge or give commandments. You know, I'm willing to bet people ask for your opinion and your thoughts on things all the time, especially if they know you, you, you serve the Lord and you go to church. Well, this person must know the whole Bible. Or <laughs> we're asked for advice. Again, especially if they know that we serve the Lord. But everything that comes from us will be considered and looked at as if it was what God wants or is what comes from the Bible. It's not about saying wrong things or judging or counseling or advising. It's about loving them and giving them the best thing that you could ever give anyone, which is Christ. This last verse is beautiful. It's awesome. But before I close, I want to tell you that there's always hope. There's always uh, a direction. There's always guidance. There can always be peace. Sometimes it's going to be hard. Sometimes it's not easy. But just as much as we love God in those good times, and we trust them in the good times, we have to trust them and love them in the bad times and in the hard times. Verse 8 says, Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all nations. Because Christ died for our sins and arose to pay what we could not pay, we are saved. By faith we are saved. Because we believe and have faith in Christ when life is hard and we fall, and lose our direction, and walk in the dark, we can be forgiven. We can be renewed by the blood of Christ. To continue to grow and strengthen our faith so that we can lovingly be that appointed child of God that Jesus died for. We are the appointed sons and daughters of God the Almighty. It doesn't matter I'm here to tell you that I've seen many, many things in my life. I've gone through many, many things in my life. I've done many, many things in my life that used to guilt me. The enemy would use it to guilt me and and tell me I was unworthy and not in a place to be able to give you the love and grace that God has given me. But it was all a lie. It's not a guilt. It's not bad. It's a testimony. It's to glorify God. Our foundation has to be strong. It has to be kept. It has to be in the Word of God and none other. Even though we walk in dark, we can be forgiven. We can be renewed by the blood of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank You, Lord. Again, we give You all that we have. Father, we give You our hearts. We thank You for Your Word. We thank you for your direction, Lord. We thank you for, for, for knowing, Father, that we would fall into a place that we would need you and cry out to you, Father, and that you knew that you would be there. 
for this letter that you have written to us, Father. For the people that are appointed, Lord, I thank you for the direction that you've given, that you've instilled, Lord, that you've, you've instructed in a way of love and grace with honor and glory to you, Father. I pray for each and every person here, Lord, and the people that we encounter, Lord, for the situations that they're in, for the battles that they're going through, whether it be a sickness or it be a, anything else, Father, I pray and I lift them up to you, Lord, because our foundation is founded on you, Father, and your word tells us that you are faithful. Your word tells us, Lord, that you have provisions, that you have direction, you have purpose, Lord, and so we trust in that, Father. So we just thank you, Father, and we love you tonight, Lord. I pray that we keep and we apply this word that you've given to us tonight. We love you, Lord. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.